You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome back to the Skate Podcast. Once again, thanks to Andrew Raycroft for joining us. So Bridget and Scott, we went over a lot of good things there, namely um, hot topics Bruins fans would like to talk about would be the Pasternak contract situation and, and the latest uh, update on that. And of course, the, just the trade deadline philosophy and it's 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 quickly approaching. So when we're talking about Chikrin uh, and, and asking Razor if he would feel like he wants to kind of be more conservative and you know don't ruin a good thing with this team and just kind of complement it with depth, versus kind of shaking things up with a, you know a roster player going the other way somewhere. It just Scott, you just mentioned it. Like, do you, you don't feel too comfortable with that as as we start to really kind of um discuss it? Well, it's interesting because the, so the reported asking price for Chikrin, and I should have looked this up. I don't know if this was in the Athletic or maybe Daily Faceoff from Frank Valley Has for a while, it sounds like it's been two first round picks on a prospect, and we know you know packages can always change. And if anyone was going to throw that at them, presumably it would have already happened. So you know we'll see what it actually ends up being. But my my thinking was like, yeah, I have no problem with that. Like picks, prospects. Sure. But obviously if you're the Bruins, like there does have to be a financial element of this as well, um, because they can't, even though Jacob Trigger is on a very team friendly deal, he has a cap hit of only 4.6, 4.6 million. Uh, Bruins would still need help to get that in. So whether that involves retained salary or sending out a roster player and, you know, I think it's easy to think like, well, you know, dump some of the contracts towards the bottom of the roster, whether it's Craig Smith, Mike Riley, um, you know, whatever, like move one of those free up some money, but then it's like, well, okay. What if, you know, Arizona's not really like willing to take on bad contracts. What if they want an actual player? And that's where you get into like your Grizzly or Carlo. And that's when like, I started to think like, I really like Jacob Chikrin. I really like that contract. The idea of having McAvoy, Lindholm, and Chikrin for years to come is, you know, pretty like exciting to think about. But to Razor's points, like if it involves moving a Grizzly or Carlo, guys, you already know fit here. You know, are you still doing it? And I guess for me, like it probably wouldn't be a deal breaker because I do think Chikrin's an upgrade over over either of those guys. Um, but if it had to be like like if it ended up being, you know, one of Grizzly or Carlo plus a first round pick plus, you know, a Lysel or Laura, like now that's too much for me. Like now I'm not like, forget it because Razor's right. Like there is, while I think Chicken would be an upgrade over those guys, like there is no guarantee he's been playing in a bad defensive system. So you do have to get him up to speed on what you're doing and get him playing the right way. Um, and like Razor said, like he hasn't 
played big games in the, in the NHL. Like I pointed out, he has also had injury history. So, you know, I kind of got kind of started doubting my conviction on Chikrin a little bit. Well, yeah, the risk is something you have to take into consideration, and and all those things are pretty serious risks for a team that is the odds-on favorite to win a Stanley Cup. It's one thing if you're like at the bottom of the playoff structure, you're like wild card, you're you really know you're missing that extra piece to to win. Whereas, you know, you don't want to be the team at the top that's like, okay, this could be our move and this could help us long term, but you accidentally shoot yourself in the foot and make a move that doesn't necessarily help you get over the hump or, or make your team that much better um, in terms of the risk. Like you said, Grizzly has injury history. Chikrin has injury history. Um, and you just almost feel like when you have a team that's been the best team in the NHL so long, he like, don't, you know, if, if it's not broke, don't fix it, especially by getting rid of somebody in your decor that you have relied on most of the season fits in um, and like not messing with the room uh, as well. So. So it's it's interesting because you guys raise great points. And I, I personally just feel like the injury history kind of washes out. I mean, it's it's not like Carlo and Grizzik are Iron Men necessarily. So as and neither is Chikrin. So I'm just gonna kind of put that off to the back burner for a little bit. Um, there's a couple of things like, and I don't want to rock the boat either. But man, I, Chikrin, I I I I would probably do it for. And I and I'm I think I was kind of impartial when Razor was on what 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 way I was leaning. But like when I think of Chikrin, Lindholm, and McAvoy, I, the first thing that comes to mind is Hedman, McDonough, and Sergachev, like in Tampa. Like it's just it's so overwhelming for opponents. And going forward, like I mentioned, like who knows what the centerized position is for the Bruins? It, it might. You, we know they locked up Zaka, okay, so for four years, so he's he'll he'll be an adequate number two center. But I just think like if the Bruins regress a little bit at center going forward after whenever Bergeron leaves. To have those that three headed monster on the on the blue line will really help um, absolve some of those tra- some of that transition, and also and the last thing I'll say is like any chance you have to to really add a, a significant player, I think you have to really think about it. And I just don't want Chickering to go to Toronto or Carolina, like it, 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 that's not, that's another part of it too. Like if he doesn't go to Boston, I know people are saying the Kings, but could he end up in Toronto and help them get over the, the hump? So. I don't know, man. It's it's not an e- easy decision for Sweeney. I see both sides of the fence. I really do. Um, but I would really have to consider it if, uh, you know, I'm with if it's Grizzlick, I'm I'm more inclined. Carlo is a different role than Grizzlick, and I kind of want him for this playoff run. So it just depends. But uh, first round pick this year, Lorai. I've said it before. Lorai is 22. Chickens 24. <laughs> like, all right, not a big deal. So, um. Yeah, I'm, I'm like I said, it's going to be interesting to follow for sure. So I don't know if you guys have any closing thoughts on that discussion. Yeah, well, one other thing, like I was just thinking of too, is like when we talk about the pursuit of you know number one center, you know, if you trade for Chikrin now, like that could even be a piece that helps you get your number one center. Like Chikrin has no trade protection at all. So if you bring him in, and then uh, all right, we need to get a number one center this summer or next season or, you know, two summers from now or whatever, like Chikrin could be a piece that helps you get it. You know, obviously that's 
that's not the main reason you're trading for him now. You're trading for him now to help you win this year because you think he's going to be a meaningful upgrade. But like that just entered my mind as, you know, he would probably be more valuable than any other piece you have, like including a Lysel or a Lorai. So um, that would like also be an option that would kind of give you another way to potentially acquire a top center in like a legitimate hockey trade. That's a good point. Bridget, for for you, um, that's a very good point, actually, Scott. I had never thought of that. Um, when it, As it pertains to somebody coming into the Bruins culture, and, and, and Scott and Razor talked about um, you know, never, not really playing in big games or meaningful games in a, in a quiet market, um, have you ever seen a player join the Bruins and not see that culture help elevate their game and, and, and bring them structure while they're here? Like, Have you ever seen a player... Um, I guess crumble with with that task, or have you always seen that culture help these players? It well, it can't possibly hurt compared to where he's coming from. Uh, you know, in in at, like when you think back to the players that you're kind of referencing, like um, McAvoy comes in with Chara around. Like you know, there there is older guys that were able to kind of assimilate the younger guys into the culture. Now McAvoy is maybe one of the guys that helps teach the next ones, the younger ones, even though he's not old in and of, um, you know, in any way, um, himself, but it's kind of funny when you, when you do talk about having a guy come in that, you know, hasn't played in any meaningful games, quote unquote, it feels like a, like a red flag, but like, do you need to look at it as a red flag? It's like, it's kind of one that you're like, okay, that that's true. That's a good point. We're not, we're uncertain, but at the same time, I don't see that as a major issue because if you think about it, guys come out of college and can play well right away um, in systems when they've never had to play, uh, you know, NHL games before, and they're able to, to get into things um, right off the bat. So I think that that argument is probably a lesser argument um, than really what it's going to take to get them here. Um, So I'm at first when he said that, I was like, Oh, that's true. But now that I think of it, it's like, it's it's a lesser risk um, than really the the risk that we're talking about, which is accidentally effing with the chemistry and you know taking the wrong guy out of the equation on the back end to to and, trade for him. And Scott, does that pressure you speak of not, not having been there? Does that lessen when you're not the guy and you're on the blue line with McAvoy and Lindholm and others, and it's you're not the main number one guy back there? Yeah, for sure, it obviously does. Um... And, and, you know, I think I agree with you, Bridget. Like, it, to me, it wouldn't be as big of a concern that he hasn't played in those games versus just you're you're going to have to teach him on the fly because, to me, it's like the system change or just the team change would be the bigger thing. And, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. Like, if you're getting a player, if you're trading for a player right now, chances are they're coming from a bad team and, you know, not everyone has played big games in the past, but uh, Chikrin has been on for the last couple of years, like an especially bad team that really do- has doesn't have structure. Can I um, can I make a comparison here? It's not a defenseman, but Allmark was on a horrible team in Buffalo, and he came over and has played so much better. Um, and for coaching reasons, for just the fact that he's not playing behind guys that are you know the the, the morale is better. You name it. Um, there's definitely a way to transition from a team that's not very good to a team that you want to help win a Stanley cup with. I mean, the motivation is automatically there. 
Yeah. And, you know, like, and like Hambus Lindholm had obviously been on good teams in the past. He was on two Ducks teams that went to the Western Conference Finals. But the couple of years before he got traded to Boston, he was on really bad teams that couldn't play defense. And it's like, you know, a little different because, like, at least he had been on good teams before and knew what it was like. But, I mean, it took him no time at all to start to just play really well on a better team and fit in. And, you know, that's like, I also, when I wrote up the, the chicken rumor today um, or the latest report, which was from Pierre Lebrun saying that, you know, the Bruins are one of the teams that have uh, inquired about him. Um, you know, chicken's ana- like analytics as advanced stats are good, but like they won't blow you away. But it's, it was the same thing with Hampus Lindholm his last couple of years in Anaheim. Like, I remember when the Bruins got in there, people were like, oh, well, his game's declined, you know, is he going to be able to get it back? And it's like, well, everyone knows I love analytics as much as anyone, huge nerd. Um, as much as those stats try to account for, uh, like, quality of team and kind of wash that out and try to look at everyone on as equal of a playing field as possible – there's still a difference. Like you can still have a guy quite easily go from a bad team to a good team and their analytics are going to get a hell of a lot better. And it's, it's part of it might be that they're playing better, but like, that's not the only reason it's just being in a better situation, playing with better players is just naturally going to lead itself to better play and better results. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's fun to, think about because you when you're imagining the pieces that they would have on the back end how young they are how talented they are um how their trajectory is you know still going up you know they're still in that part of the year where they can get better and better uh (laughs) brian (laughs) sorry brian's got like a fire alarm going on in the background or something (laughs) all right um I think, I, I think it actually is a fire alarm. Brian, I think Brian's it is. Gone. <laughs> He's gone. Ron Bryan. Um, no, well, he left his camera going, so we'll we'll be. All right, who, whose hot take was too hot? <laughs> it was on fire. Oh, he got it to turn off. All right. Um, no. But moving on to because we talked about chicken for a while. We this doesn't have to be a, a like a long touching on this, but because we brought up Patrick Kane, um, I, I was. It's kind of interesting. Razor's reaction was as positive as it was for Patrick Kane. Um, whereas he, you know, could see that that being a decent fit. And it is one of those situations like Taylor Hall where the guy gets to pick where he goes and that kind of makes it so. <laughs> Why is it always something? <laughs> Why is it always something with me? I'm, I'm I'm minding my own P's and Q's. I think somebody left the popcorn in too long. It sounds familiar <laughs> to me, but Jesus. No, nah, I guess people are doing work upstairs and they were just testing it. I don't know. It's like, did they not know I'm doing a goddamn podcast? Yeah, come on. Oh, okay, here's what I was saying. It, it is kind of like a situation where he gets to pick what team he goes to. He obviously, who wouldn't want to come to a team that's, you know, odds on favorite to, to win a cup or – um, you know, you're going to pick a team that you think you have the best chance with, but, um, the Bruins wouldn't have to give up as much. We're talking about, you know, not having to give away probably a defenseman, not having to give away that kind of stuff for a guy like Patrick Keane, but we're also in the territory of rental 
and where once again, like he's an additional piece that you could add that would help, but does he feel like he would be just a little bit extra? Like, do you, do you think he would be almost not necessary in terms of adding him? Like he would help, but that it's not a hundred percent going to fill a role that they might need. Yeah. I'm not super into the idea of bringing in Patrick Kane. Now, if Patrick Kane says, Hey, I think the Bruins are going to win the cup and I want to go to the Bruins and you know, that's like the only team he's going to waive his no trade clause for. I mean, it, it's really difficult to like not consider that and to be involved then. Um, but if there's any sort of bidding war, I would probably just mostly be out. I, I think his play has fallen off really dramatically this season, especially um, there. Like he just straight up. He, I mean, not that he's ever been very good defensively, but he just like straight up does not play defense anymore. And I don't know if you can turn that on, you know, just getting to a new team. Um, you would want him to be a top scorer, obviously, but he hasn't even been that this year. He only has nine goals. As I mentioned with Razor, he's been crazy. Yeah. He's been, he's been battling injury. He's pretty banged up. Um, I think it was, uh, I'm trying to remember. I said, this might've been from Pierre Lebrun as well, but it was someone who said he had talked to some players who faced Patrick Kane recently. And like one of them was just straight up, like that's not Patrick Kane anymore, or he's not playing like Patrick Kane. And like that kind of stuff just really worries me. The, what I mentioned where it's like an open secret that he needs hip surgery. Uh, I would just be worried about like what you're actually getting with him and whether he's going to hold up for a deep playoff run. Um, and like how desperate you are with your own injuries like as of right now they're not but like if you hit a situation where you are desperate in you know for a winger or like you're you're desperate to find a guy to fill in for um whatever injury you might be dealing with you're probably more likely to look into it but yeah and like that's that's going to be your one big move if you make it because there's gonna you know you're gonna have to find a way to fit the salary there's gonna be salary retention and all that you probably have to move out of con at least one contract. So to do all that for a guy that like, I'm just not totally sold on and don't know if he's going to hold up. Um, I, I wouldn't. So uh, I would try to find something that's a little bit more of a sure bet. Honestly, like if we're talking about the Blackhawks guys, I would prefer Taves at this point. Uh, I know, you know, a little less of a positional need, but maybe, you know, coil bumps over to the wing or even down to the fourth line. And now like, I mean, if you have Taves as a third line center and coil on the fourth, like you're just about as good of a one, one through four down the middle as like you'll ever see. So I would actually be more interested in Taves. Who's all all around game. I think, you know, again, while it's not what it was in his prime is I think still in a better spot. Um, And he at least seems to be healthy. So that would interest me a little bit more. And we would love to get Brian's opinion on this, but his fire alarm is still going off. Well, it's it's not actually going off. It's but I'm on yeah. borrowed time because they're doing some work upstairs. Because long story short, there was like a well, because of that winter storm, there was like a, a little small pipe burst, and so the, the fire alarm's working on something. I don't I don't know, but regardless, um, I'll make it quick. I, I echo what you're saying, Scott. Uh, I, I would like Taves Kane. It's it's a matter of price for me. Um, 
I can't speak to the hip surgery possibility, but if it's not injury related, I could see him getting a, you know, I don't think he's playing a lot of inspired hockey in Chicago. They've been going going through lately. So that's, that would be a difference. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll, we'll see. It, it would be on, it would be depend, depend on the cost. Um, as it pertains to passion that guys, um, like do the Bruins have a, a foot to stand on with that? They're like, what the hell, man? Like when it comes to passing, it's like, guys, he's the top goal scorer in the world. One of, and like, you think like you can just get guys to take like significant discounts just because you are who you are. Like it's a business. So I, I don't know who the Bruins are, think they are to just be offended by a guy trying to get relatively what he's worth. Well, and that's why I do think that at some point they changed their price when it was like finally coming close to a deal or like almost agreed upon because um, that would be a reason why the Bruins would be surprised. Like, Hey, this was the original price you asked for. We agreed to it. Now we're a little bit surprised that you're asking for more. You're adding on to what you, what you wanted. Um, but I also do think that probably early, like in the off season, um, when they were first coming up with numbers, they did have a low ball number, um, to try to keep it right around that McAvoy number. Um, but yeah, obviously I, that I is under, think- I don't even think that's really like a low ball. I just think it was more of a starting. Like if they went to him in the off season and offered eight years, nine and a half million, like same exact contract as McAvoy. I, I feel like that that's a decent starting point like to me that like, that's not, we're not talking about like, you know, Red Sox offering Xander Bogart's like a, you know, one year, $25 million extension or something. Like, you know, I think that's at least like a reasonable starting point. And it, probably wasn't going to be enough, but you can at least work from there. Um, you know, I feel like in a way, like both teams kind of took a risk by not getting it done before the season. You know, Pasenak thought, Hey, I can have a better season than last year and, you know, get more money. And the Bruins thought, well, you know, we'll stay where our offer is for now. And, you know, we think he'll end up agreeing to that. And, uh, Pasenak won that bet. He's having an incredible season. He's an MVP candidate and the price has obviously gone up. So, um, you know, I guess now we see like, does the final price end up being right around that 11 million, which would make him one of the top players in the league? Or are we talking like approaching McKinnon McDavid, you know, 12, 12 and a half territory. So, um, you know, it sounds like we're probably going to find out possibly soon. It seems like definitely in season before the end of the year. So um, we'll see where it comes in. But yeah, obviously, Pasenak bet on himself by not taking the first offer and not just re-signing before the year. And he has clearly won that bet. Yeah, and won that bet with the help of an agent who probably has been leading him along this whole time. Like, Hey, you know, just saying you can probably make more. We could probably get a little bit more here or there. Um, but if he, if he, which is what we've said right along, if he's not signed by the off season, that like, that is the worst case scenario that, that basically for fans, like to me, that's a sign that it, if it was going to get done, it would already have gotten done based on reporting that it was so close. Like what would it have taken all the way to the off season? Um, so hopefully it 
it's finished soon. Then we don't have to keep coming on here and talking about it. Couple laundry list items. Speaking of Pasternak, he was at the, um, well, they called it the NHL All-Star competition. It was more like Disney on ice. Um, do you think that weekend is a little bit just too far be- beyond repair? Obviously, they're trying to uh, attract a very small young demographic, like ages like zero to three. Um, <laughs> so, you know, think that's something that uh, is kind of just beyond repair at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's how I felt even before it. And I watched about a half hour of the skills competition, and that was it. I didn't watch any of the game. I just didn't care. So, um, you know, I, I the half hour that I did watch, I happened to be watching when Pasenak did his Happy Gilmore thing, and I'm like, I'm just not the audience for this. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm just too old now. But, like, I see it, like, going viral. and, and like Yeah, you know, it's more for little big- bits – on like they're all trying to make a big deal of on the broadcast i'm just like this is like this is cosplay like this is this isn't hockey skills this is cosplay yeah it is more of like um a performance (laughs) than anything else i i used to love watching the all-star game and skills competition and stuff back when i was in like high school but it was five on five back then uh, go back to five on five. I could give a crap about the guys playing three on three. Um, it, it's one thing when they started it to like when they changed the rule and then they're like, okay, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Let's see what these guys look like. The like fastest guys in the league going three on three. I, I could give a crap uh, anymore about that. Go five on five. If you're going to do an all-star game the right way or the closest <laughs> thing you can do the right way. Um, five on five let's let's cut it out well like, there was one year they did a draft instead of like east versus west where they like had a whole group of all-stars and they had to they had two captains that were drafting off of each one and i remember matthew shane like there was a video of matthew shane going he was like the last guy to get picked and he was just sitting there like i feel like i got voted off the island he was the only one sitting in the chair it's like They've tried all these different offshoots, and <laughs> it was Phil Kessel who was last, right? And oh, it's him and, and Matt Duchesne sitting around. I think that's like the why hell. they stopped doing it. It's like they're like, oh, like you know, we don't want people to feel bad if they're the last pick. And it's like, okay, you're the last pick of like the forty best hockey players in the world. Like, you know, I think you'll be okay. Like, I mean, that would be one thing. Like, I, I think that'd be a perfectly solid change. Like. At least that's more in- entertaining than some of the stuff that happened during the skills competition. It becomes a reality know? show at that point. Yeah, like I know the the NBA still has the draft and seems to work fine for them. I don't hear any players, you know, bitching that they're the last pick. Yeah, I would just I would just do keep it simple. I would just do what the AHL did. It was it was like a, a nice all star competition. They kept it simple, um, and I would just I would get rid of the three on three stuff. I would just do two teams five on five or whatever. Um, it's the all-star weekend is it's not what it once was. I don't think it's going to be. So I'm going to stop trying to make fetch happen. Gretchen Um, playoff format. Gary Bettman said, basically the league doesn't look like they're going to change it anytime soon. The one, one, three, and there's a lot of moving parts um, that people aren't really too privy of. I guess it's just the latest uh, example of being um, talking down to their, their fan base. It's like, it's not that complicated. We get it. There's a wild card structure, just whatever. Um, Sidney Crosby came out and talked about it too. Look, if 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 you're not talking about the Atlantic, which seems to have been an absolute downfall for like this playoff format the last five years, if it's just a traditional division, which most of them are, where there's good parity, 
I don't really see an issue with this playoff format. I just think in, in the Atlantic, we're so close to that, that Tampa and Toronto and Boston have always kind of gotten screwed. But, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I have no issue with the current format because it's gotten different matchups except for the Atlantic for the most part. But I also want to – I wouldn't care going back to one through eight either. What do you guys think? I'm all about going back to one through eight. I, I hate this format, and I have since it started. And not just not just because the, the Atlantic division has been stacked or – um, but what I really hate is I hate having a playoff matchup locked in for the final, like three, four months of the regular season, which, you know, that's not even just because the Atlantic division is awesome, but we've seen that happen a bunch of times now in the Atlantic, whether it was Bruins Leafs or now last year and this year, it's lightning Leafs. Like I, I hate that. Like I want, I want everyone to be going into like the final couple weeks kind of jockeying for position and, you know, potentially facing different teams. The other issue that has popped up a couple times and, um, you know, the Bruins actually kind of like benefited from this once is, was it, what year did they face the Senators? Was that 2017? Yeah. Um, in, in the first round. And they both had, they had the two worst records in the conference of the teams that made the playoffs. So the number one overall seed was getting a tougher matchup than what would have been like the number six or seven seed in a one through eight format, which also shouldn't happen. That's happened a couple times at West where the Pacific division has had some down years and whoever's been the number one seed has had a tougher matchup than like the second team in the Pacific. And it's like, I just don't like it. Like I, I get, you know, trying to save on travel, trying, trying to build rivalries or whatever, but um, I just like a much fairer bracket, which I think one through eight is. I agree. Um, I, I, I agree. I used to watch more hockey because of it, actually, because like you're wondering, okay, what well, I got to watch, you know, whatever team, whatever two teams the Bruins might end up against, watch all their games, see who's winning, see how, when it changes, what's going on. I feel like I used to back, I think this, I forget what year they changed over this format, but back when I was in college, it was the one through eight and I was always just flipping through my, my hockey broadcast in my dorm, just watching pretty much any uh, hockey game that would have affected where the Bruins were in the standings. Yeah, actually, now that you guys mentioned it, I do prefer the one through eight actually for those reasons. Um, keeps, keeps you guessing uh, the entire regular season for the most part. So um, no, no, no arguments here. You guys have anything else you wanted to go over? I don't think so. We finally get a, Bruins hockey back on Saturday. So, um, you know, long week and a half break. I've, I've enjoyed having a little downtime, but yeah, starting to get that. It's weird. What, what, you know, I mentioned this to you guys off the air before, but it's weird seeing like so much of the rest of the league start back up and have a bunch of games, you know, beginning Monday night. And now it's still like, uh, still wait until the end of the week for the Bruins to come back. But Saturday, three o'clock against Washington. Yep. Bridget, you all set? I'm good. Very good. Yeah. So as as Scott said, 3.30 Saturday, Bruins are back in action against the Capitals. Uh, until then, um, well, actually, th- that'll be before then. And then obviously Sunday is the uh, the Super Bowl, so enjoy that. And we will talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening.